Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Well, if you will, tonight let's study the Word for a few minutes. Go back to Isaiah where we were last time I was here, whenever that was, a couple of Wednesdays ago. John enjoy Brother Danny when he last week? He gets y'all straightened out. Now I'm gonna we're gonna get back into this submission thing because people just if you want to get weird on a subject, you can get weird on that one. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ got weird on it in the 80s. They had the ultra submission doctrines called shepherding, and out of shepherding came a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And brother, we mentioned Brother Osteen, he stood against that message very strongly. Uh, there was one church in Houston that grew up maybe close to 6,000 people. But it, uh, that submission doctrine was so strong that people, they had, a, they had an accounting department with hundreds of people in it, and everybody in the church would come turn their paycheck in every week, give it to the church. And then, it, and then, it, then the church would in turn pay their bills and then give them a little money to spend. And, you know, if you were going to go on vacation, you had to come clear it with a pastor. If you are going to go buy clothes or something, you had to come clear it with a pastor. If you want to do anything like that, you had to come. Well, I, you think I'd want to be involved in anything like that? I could care less where you go on vacation. Just don't come to my house. Amen. <laughs> and we, we had some friends that came out of that. Lynn had some friends that came out of that. And they had a business. And God was blessing their business tremendously. And this pastor in this church was supposed to be paying their, their 941 taxes, which, you know, what you have on employees, and was supposed to be paying all these other. Well, they didn't do that. And it cost them their business. Amen. So there is, you can get in the ditch with any doctrine, but there's a balance of the Spirit and the Word of God that will help you have an understanding of what God's trying to tell you. So I've always said it like this, so that you can gain the maximum benefit out of every word. Now, I'll tell you, God, God worked on me 15 years with what I would call a practical application of the submission doctrine in my life. I was submitted to my pastor. I was submitted to my church. I was submitted to the vision of the house, and I reaped the benefits of it. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, uh, through submission, I developed a very strong servant's heart. Now, I had a pastor come to me who had, who had been here at, at, at our church, and he said, I want all of your teaching on leadership. I said, I don't teach on leadership. He said, you don't teach on leadership? I, I came to your church, your, your ushers, your praise and worship team, the people, the way they, they, they greeted and served. And I said, I, I just couldn't. I, I, you've got to teach on leadership. I, no, I said, I don't. I teach on servitude. I said, we teach on serving, not leading. He said, well, I, doesn't somebody have to lead? I said, yeah, the Holy Ghost leads us. The Holy Ghost guides us. The Holy Ghost directs us. That's who leads the church. But as far as the church goes, we have a strata of servants. I sit at the top. I'm the greatest servant to the church. I'm, I'm talking about other than Jesus and the Holy Ghost and God. Amen. But I'm the one that's called to take the oversight. I'm the one that's called to submit to the vision of the house. And I'm the one that's called to impart it to you. Now, we've said this for years when it comes to vision because I've heard guys, man, their vision, uh, I mean, it's so thick. I mean, they, they got the Bible school. They got the university. They got the children's school. They got the daycare. They got, I, 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 got, I went to one church and preached, and, man, they had everybody in the church that had a mortgage had it in the church. They had their own bank. Everybody that borrowed a car, uh, bought a car, borrowed the money from the church. Well, I don't want to come repossess your car and kick you out of your house. Amen. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you take on responsibility that the church doesn't necessarily need to take on. But they were all submitted to that. Now, when you understand that when you serve one another and begin to learn how to serve God, serve God, serve one another, serve the world, we become effective in touching the world through serving the world. Now, I've seen this. Leadership works very well in government, in military, in structured environments of the world. Because in a lot of that, you have to submit to what I call forced submission. Amen. I mean, Ryan's here tonight. He's in the military. I mean, one of his uh, superiors said to him, you know, do this or do that. And he said, I ain't going to do that. I don't want to do that. Well, they have a process of taking care of people that are like that. Amen. You have to be submitted to your authority in order for the military to have the correct structure that it needs. But in the body of Christ, when we learn how to submit, there's an element of humility in there. And that element of humility, I've said it like this for years, pride is the atmosphere that will suck the life out of faith. It just sucks the life out of it. But humility is the atmosphere in which faith flourishes. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere where it's hard to breathe. Uh, uh, we, we went snow skiing a couple of years ago, and, and, and every time I've gone snow skiing, I was raised down here on the coast where the air is nice and thick. You know, you can suck it in. You kind of feel it in your lungs and let it swirl around a little bit, blow it back out, you know. I mean, that's the way I like it. But we were, I think our, our condo was 7,000 feet, and the top of the mountain we were skiing on was 9,000 feet. So I got up at the top of that mountain, and I'm, <gasps> I mean, the atmosphere wasn't too good for me. Thank God Breland and I, we found bottles of oxygen. <laughs> Leah thought it was a scam. Well, if it was a placebo, it worked on me. I mean, I was, I was breathing that oxygen, man. Well, the atmosphere wasn't too conducive to me. Well, see, you create an atmosphere in your life. Your heart creates an atmosphere. Your attitude creates an atmosphere. You have a submissive, humble heart and a heart of faith. I'm telling you, nothing will be impossible to you. Now, we've said this before. If you're not going to serve God, if you're going to be a rebel, if you're going to live out in the world and live in sin, don't be submissive. They'll run you over with a dump truck. Amen. This world system is not built on submissive people. This world system is literally built on a rebellious nature. And when you understand that, then you understand why the world is really the way it is because actually everything is in the world is really not geared to help you. It's geared to take from you. You know, we were, we were in Ireland, uh, Roland and I, last week, and, and I think, was it Thursday they were having the, the vote on abortion? Abortion was legal in Ireland, and, and so they were, had a referendum to try to, to vote it down. And, you know, most of the, you know, I, the couple of things that I watched on the, on the Irish news didn't look like they were going to be able to do it. And so I was talking to one of the Irish people there about that, and I said, you know, I'm telling you, uh, We've stood against it. We don't believe in it. I think it's murder. But I said, you know, we've gone through, through several administrations that should have stopped that. Why didn't, why didn't President Reagan stop that? Why didn't either of the Bushes stop that? Amen? I mean, I mean, why didn't Nixon stop that? You say, what do you mean by that? It could have been stopped, but it's just not. It seems like when something unrighteous gets in, it just seems like you don't ever get it out. I mean, when I first went to Ireland, divorce was illegal. Now, you can marry anything. <laughs> Hello? 
I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that because I don't want to get political, but it's, it's that that country has changed dramatically since the first time I went there. So we have to understand that there is a demand of submission of honest from God. Now, let's look at it in Isaiah, and we'll go to some other scriptures real quick. We've read this several times. Uh, Isaiah 1.19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with a sword. Now, we know Isaiah was a prophet to Israel during the Old Covenant. Now, in the Old Covenant, when, when, when Israel would submit to God, they were undefeatable. I mean, you could not mess with them. They were literally an undefeatable force, possessing whatever they wanted, whatever God said they could have. I'm telling you, there was healing, there was prosperity, there was blessing, there was favor with God. But I'm telling you, as soon as they started breaking that law, I'm telling you, death just become, just came from every direction. That was terrible. And see, that's why people, they get into some of those, you know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and read some of those old scriptures. And, and if, you, if you live in there too much, it makes you hard, makes you mean. You say, why? Because there's a lot of legalism in there because the only way to control rebellion is through legalism. That's the only way society can control it is through laws. Now, you've got to understand, every one of us, according to law, the law of our city, the law of our state, and the law of our nation, Every one of us live under forced submission. There are things you have to do or you're going to get locked up. Tuesday, I, I, we did some yard work. We're out in the yard and then we had some dinner and we're out sitting on the porch. Lee and I were out sitting on the porch and I was watching my neighbor and he was out there catching one redfish after another. And so finally he looked up and saw me sitting up there. He said, hey, Rusty, come over and catch some of these redfish. So I went over there and he had some bait. And I caught four redfish that were about, oh, I don't know, 16 to 18 inches long. Those are the tastiest redfish on planet Earth. That is, I'm telling you, I've eaten them that big, and I'm telling you, that is a taste. That meat's almost as sweet as crab meat. But, everybody say but, you can't keep a redfish unless he's 20 inches long. Amen? Now, the possibility of a game warden driving up on us, the possibility of a, uh, of a game warden coming down our street and, and coming uh, through the empty lot there and coming on to, uh, to Billy's Pier is, is literally a million to one. They were all off. They are probably all sitting at the house drinking coffee. Well, did you keep any? Nope, didn't do it. You say, why? Because I answered to a higher power than Texas Parks and Wildlife, which makes it easy to submit to the law. Amen? Now, notice we said this last time. Willing. There are two sides of willing. That's your heart. Your heart reveals your willingness. You either have a submissive heart or you have a rebellious heart. Obedience. That's your faith. You're either in faith or in fear. So the best thing to do is to have a submissive heart of faith. Amen? Now, we're not talking about some kind of kinky control. Actually, I'm going to show you here in just a minute what will help, help you keep level on that and which helps keep me balanced on that. Now, go, if you will, real quick. Go over to the book of James. Go to James chapter 4. I, I, I started studying this this afternoon from the top. and You know, it, start, it talks about 
fightings and wars and how come your prayers don't get answered and all that kind of stuff. But then it gets down to verse 6 and it says, but he, everybody say he. This is James chapter 4, 6. Speaking of God, God giveth more grace. Everybody say more grace. How many want more grace? Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Then he says this, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, our first level of submission. Now, let me throw this out because we may hit this for a couple of weeks because this will help you. Our first level of submission is to God. Our second level is to the Holy Spirit. Our third is to the authority that God puts in the church. Number one, you submit to God. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will only lead you in submission to God. Number two, you must understand that spiritual authority should only lead you in submission to what the Spirit of God and the Word of God is saying. Amen? Uh, When I married Leah... I had spiritual authority in my life that said to me, you need to forget about ministry. You need to go get a job. I'm telling you. Look me right in the eye. Said, you need to forget about ministry. You need to go get a job. I thought to myself, hmm, been in ministry for three years. He said, you're not going to be able to support Leah unless you go get a job. I had to make a decision whether to submit to that or to submit to what the Holy Ghost was telling me and what the Word of God was telling me. He said, you go get a job? I already had one. Amen, I'm glad. I had another guy come to my house who was, quote, in the ministry at that time, sat across from my table, and I still had enough flesh in me where I just wanted to mop the floor with him. He looked across the table at me and said, you'll never make it in ministry. You won't make a dime in ministry. I thought to myself, I ought to knock you upside your head, come in here spreading unbelief in my house. I didn't say nothing. I I just remained nice and sweet, you know. Amen. But you got to understand something. There are things the Word of God says. There are things that the Spirit of God says. And there are things that spiritual authority over you may say. But if they don't line up with the Spirit and the Word, then you need to reject it. That's where men become controllers of people. Is by telling people, I hear from God for you. I don't hear from God for you. Let me say that again. I don't hear from God for you. I hear from God for the church. You may get a word of God from me, but you're going to have to learn to discern the voice of God yourself. The Bible says, Jesus himself says, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. Now his voice may echo through mine from time to time and touch you and open your understanding. But honey, you got to learn to hear from God on your own. Amen. You say, well, how will I know it's God? It'll line up with the word of God. Secondly, it will also bring blessing. God will never speak anything to you that will destroy you. It may look like a step down in your life, but every step down is actually a step up. That's the way God does things. Now notice what it says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist. Everybody say resist. That's the word active opposition. Listen, when the pain tries to come back, when the, when the, when the uh, uh, finances tr- try to go down, when the, uh, something rises up in your family, listen, if you don't oppose the devil, he'll win. You've got to muster some active opposition against the devil. And your greatest tool is your words. You've got to learn to stand your ground, square your shoulders, speak to the devil, and speak to him with the authority that the Word of God affords you. You've got to say, no, devil, the Word says, by his stripes I'm healed. Get out of my body. No, devil, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Get out of my finances. 
No, devil. God says he's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I've got a sound mind. I'm not crazy. Get out of my mind in Jesus' name. You got to do it. I said, you got to do it. Smith Wigglesworth, he was a man that lived, uh, uh, he went to be with the Lord in the, in, the, in the late 40s. But God used him very mightily in, in gifts to the Spirit. A lot of people were healed under his ministry, outstanding healings. Several people raised from the dead. And he was standing on a bus stop, by a bus stop, fixing to get on a bus in London. And he said this, this lady, this little English lady, come waddling out of her house up to the bus stop to get on the bus. And she said this little dog came, came, came waddling out after her. And she turned to that dog and said, now go, you got to go back, honey. You got to go back home. Got to go back home. Mama's going to the store now. You got to go back home. And he said, dog didn't do nothing. He just sat there and kind of wagged his tail. So she said it again, kind of a little more authoritative. She said, you, you, now you need to go back. You, you need to go back Go back home now. You can't come to the store with mama. You got to go back Go back to the house now. He said, that little dog just kind of looked up, wagged his tail. And finally she turned around, stomped her foot and said, scat! She said, that dog took off with his tail between his legs. And Brother Wigglesworth said, I, ho he said, I hollered out loud, that's the way you got to do the devil right there. Amen. If you don't, he's just going to sit there and torment your mind, torment your finances, mess with your, mess with your body, mess with your dreams, mess with your family. Somebody's got to rise up and say, scat to the devil. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Now, this shows us who our enemy is. Your enemy is not people. And I still remember preaching this years ago in a meeting and saying, you know, your, your, your mother-in-law is not the devil. And having somebody come and say, my mother-in-law is the devil. No, your problem is not your mother-in-law, your father-in-law. Amen. Your aunt, your uncle, whoever. No, the problem's the devil. That's who you're supposed to resist. That's who you're supposed to actively, actively oppose. Then it says he will what? He will turn and kind of kind of amble away, still trying to mess. No, it says he will flee. F-L-E-E. In the Greek, that literally means to run in stark terror. Now, do you have that vision in your mind? Most people don't. And I don't blame the world. I blame Christianity. You say, why? Because I've seen Christian videos where they, they, they pump up the devil like he's, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody. What's the other guy? Lou Ferrigno. Big old, big, I saw a, a video one time and it showed some Christians, you know, four or five little old Christians praying for revival and it showed hell and there was the devil sitting on his throne and he was this big muscular guy like that. I thought that's not what the devil looks like. The Bible says in Isaiah that when we see him for who he really is, we will say, is this the one that caused the nations to tremble? I mean, when you see him by the word of God, you say, you mean this is the one that's been giving me so much trouble? He is defeated. He has no power other than the power you give him. Come on, church. you got to see him for who he really is. And when you do and you exercise that revelation as you're submitted to the Word of God, then he's got to run in stark terror from you. He is not your master. You are his master. You should not be running from your adversary. He should be running from you. In every area of your life, health, finances, you name it. Amen. He will flee from you. Now, real quick, go to 1 Peter. That's our last one. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Should be just a couple of pages over. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness. That word elder is actually the word pastor. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory 
that shall be revealed. Now, this is what the pastors are supposed to do. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof. So right there is the establishment of correct church government. You say, what do you mean? Pastors are supposed to, number one, feed the flock of God. Not have Holy Ghost meetings every service like I used to have. Not try to have great revival meetings like we have in Ireland and different places. But to on a consistent, regular basis, feed you the Word of God. Amen? Now, that don't get me wrong. I'll tell you, we yield to the Holy Ghost around here. Y'all that come to our services, y'all have seen the Spirit of God fall. Y'all have seen the ministry of the, uh, of the Spirit in manifestation probably more than any other church. I like to brag on the Holy Ghost. Amen? It says, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre or money, but of a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage. Did you know you are God's heritage? I said, you are God's heritage, and pastors are not supposed to be lords over God's heritage. That means I'm not supposed to be the one telling you everything to do. You say, well, what do you mean by that? I tell you what to do within the confines of the church, how we operate and implement this vision. But you've got to figure it out for your own life. Now, you know, that, that brings up another. A lot of times people, they feel like they need something extra. They're like, you know, I need, I need some counseling in this area. Now, don't get me wrong. We do marriage counseling. We do, we do counseling for different things. But a lot of times, counseling is just somebody trying to convince you that they're right in something that they're wrong about. But the best counsel you can get does not come from me in the office back there. The best counsel you can get comes from behind this pulpit because there's an anointing when I get up to teach and preach the Word of God. And I'm telling you, God or the Holy Ghost can take me any direction He desires to. I've done this long enough to know the voice of the Spirit, the voice of God. He wants to weave and do, weave and do. I was in a meeting. I'm not going to say when, but I was in a meeting and walked in, and there was a tremendous distraction going on. And what was what was what was Weird about that was, I had spent all afternoon getting ready for this meeting. Man, I'm telling you, I sensed the anointing. Uh, the, the night before, we'd had a great meeting. The power of God was in manifestation. And when I walked in, I'm telling you, like a bird flying off my shoulder, the Holy Ghost left just like that. Just like that. So here I am, stuck having to do a meeting. So I dug up one of my golden oldies and preached it. That's what I did. And God showed up, but in a limited measure. And it wasn't near what God wanted to do for those people. Amen? You say, well, why not? Because a distraction was created that called attention to someone and something instead of gave a, giving a submissive platform for the Spirit of God to move. And it would have probably continued until some people actually got up and, and corrected it. By that time, it was too late. Did you know, let me just say this. Mm, how can I do this without getting in trouble? Because I know this goes out. There is a standard operating procedure for the Holy Ghost. There are churches right now that are experiencing, quote, revival. And they're having all kinds of these manifestations going on. And there's people doing all kinds of stuff during the service. And I've looked in on some of this. And I've seen some of this. And I want you to know it ain't God. And I'm telling you, people are flipping out. 
I mean, they're doing cartwheels across the front. They're hollering. They're screaming. Now they're starting to get into some of the stuff that was going on back in the early 90s. They're starting to bark like dogs and crow like chickens. Calling that God. Amen. And now, as expected, because it always goes that direction, now it's going into warfare praise and warfare offerings and warfare this and warfare, which it always does because the number one thing the Holy Ghost will not involve himself in is sensationalism. He is supernatural, not sensational. One of the first things our pastors, brother and sister Goodwin, charged us with and told us about when Lee and I were in the ministry, Mom Goodwin looked us in the eye and said, without exception, Rusty, do not get involved in sensationalism because the adversary is out there to oblige every individual who's willing to become sensational. And it's sweeping this nation right now. And people are doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but at the end of the day, it brings destruction. You say, why? It calls attention to the people, to their activities, to the, to the arts, to all this kind of crazy stuff. That's not the platform that God has set the standard for in His Word. Mm, How do we get off on that? Might help somebody. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, so who's your chief shepherd? Everybody say Jesus. When He shall appear, you shall... Uh, shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all you be subject one to another. Be ye clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud. Man, I don't want God resisting me. And giveth grace to the humble. The next verse, humble yourself. Therefore, under. So you can get an idea. What does it mean to humble? Humble. Go to the word under. See the word under there? That means humility. When you humble yourself, you let go of some things to come under something. Now, I've said this for years because I had to get delivered of it. It's amazing. In just about every endeavor in life, People kind of stay in their own corner. I don't go, I don't try to, I don't try to talk surgery with, with Doc. I don't try to talk veterinary medicine, a little bit that I know. I don't try to get into somebody's engineering, you know. I, I don't know that much about that stuff. I'm not an expert. Amen. I don't talk much about cars with Roy. Roy knows more than I know. But everyone is an expert when it comes to spiritual things. You're saved six weeks, read two books. I know. Come on, church. You look at me like that. You know it's true. People are all experts. They know everything, you know. It just seems that's the way it is. You've got to humble yourself, get rid of your opinions, your ideas. And I'm telling you, the worst opinions of the world are religious opinions. Religious opinions that come out of dead denominations that celebrate what God did 100 years ago or 200 years ago and denies His power today. You've got to rid yourself. You've got to humble yourself. Listen, e e listen. even if you've got big dreams and big ideas and big vision for your life, there comes a point when you're going to have to humble and submit yourself to it. We had a rapid advance in our ministry. 1987 was a difficult year. The, a couple of preachers got in trouble. One went to prison. The other got up on public TV and made this, you know, this terrible confession about all this sin had been in. And I'm telling you, churches just shut down and won't have anybody in. We ran out of money. I mean, went down to zero. Gave everything we had to the missionaries we supported. And then God, I mean, in one instant of time, blessed us with thousands and thousands of dollars from somebody who didn't know anything about the plight we were in. 
That carried us into 1988. 1988, our ministry took off like a rocket. I mean, every week I was going somewhere. We were going to the nations of the world. We went to our first trip to Ireland, early 89. We went to the Philippine Islands. I went to Haiti. I was going down into Mexico. I mean, I was going all over. I went up to Canada. I mean, I, we were going. God was gracing us with money, partnership. And the reason is, is because I quit being proud and started humbling myself to the church and the pastor that I was a part of that at that time wasn't very big. I came from the big church with a big pastor. I knew something. I went to Bible school. Come on. But I started humbling myself. It's an act of your will. And as you begin to humble yourself and submit yourself, it's amazing how God's promotion comes into your life. Now notice this. Humble yourself, therefore, where? Under the pastor? Under the church? Under the organization? No. Under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due season or in due time. Listen, God wants to exalt every believer Every ministry, every business, God wants to take you to a place where you thought, man, I'm telling you, I would not be here but for God. God will exalt you. God will bless you. He'll put his seal of approval upon your behavior, and everybody will know it. You won't have to go around telling people to be able to see it in your life. But you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to make a decision. I don't know everything. I'm going to rid myself of my opinions. I'm going to get rid of my religious mindset. I'm going to submit myself under the mighty hand of God, expecting my due time to come. Now notice this. It begins with what? Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You're going to have to roll your cares upon the Lord. People burn themselves down. I call it the what ifs of life. What if this doesn't? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if this doesn't? What if that? Listen, what about God? Amen? What about God? Consider God. You're going to have to cast. Everybody say cast. That means that's an act of casting your care. That means you're going to have to go to God and pray and say, Lord, I'm not carrying this no more. I'm not carrying my unsaved loved ones. I'm not carrying this debt on my credit cards. I'm not carrying this doctor's report. I'm not carrying it. I'm not carrying it. I'm not carrying it. I'm going to roll it over on you. One translation says this, because his greatest interest is you. That's how valuable you are to God. You're his greatest interest. So you're going to have to cast it. But don't cast it like a fishing cast and reel it back up. Because some people will hear this and they'll cast their care and then the next day they just start reeling it back in by their thoughts, by their words. Well, you know, I thought I got healed. I thought I got blessed. I thought I got revelation. You can't do that. you got to cast them once and for all on the Lord. If you've got unsaved loved ones, you've got people that you know to, uh, that you think, man, if they don't get saved, they're going to die. You've got to learn to turn those people over to the Lord. One of the most powerful prayers of faith is a prayer of release, where you release something to God and put it into His hands. We and I have done that over and over again and stepped back and watched God do some amazing things. Everybody say, cast my cares. Now notice this, what it says next. Be sober. Everybody say, sober. Now, that doesn't mean, well, you know, I, I, you, can, you can scratch that one off, Pastor. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. No, no. This actually means don't be under the influence. I'm telling you, you can get under the influence of some of the stupidest things. 
Some little old prayer get answered and you get, oh man, I'm a prophet of God now. No, you're not. Amen. No, you're not a prophet just because you get a prayer answered. Amen. Oh, you don't want to get me off on that. But I'm telling you, there are other things. Something will happen and this will happen and that will happen. Listen, don't get under the influence. Give Him all the glory. Thank God for it. Amen. Be sober. And I'm telling you something, church. Success can get you drunk quicker than anything else. I tell you, when that red iron starts going up out there on that, out there on that uh, uh, three and a half acres of land, we better be sober as a church. When we cut that ribbon and walk into that building, have that, have that grand opening ceremony and that grand opening camp meeting, I guarantee you we better be sober as a church. We better recognize where that came from. We better recognize how it got there. We got to recognize why it's sitting there. We better be sober. All right. Be vigilant. That means you got to stay with it. Well, I went to church twice last month. I can't believe God had that. No, you got to stay with it. When you submit your time, your efforts, your finance, that means I'm not backing off on this. I'm staying with it. I'm going to be vigilant. And listen, a lot of people, they seek the path of comfort. <laughs> Brother Osteen's teaching on eagles. He teaches on eagles better than anybody else. I mean, he teaches on, you know, eagles are uh, where they nest, how they fly, how they die, how they do this. But what's unique about an eagle is an eagle, a, a mama eagle, will feather her nest. When she finishes her nest, her nest will weigh almost a half a ton, 1,000 pounds. And what she does is in the interior of that nest, she puts all kinds of thorns and thistles and all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to, the, to, the, to, the, to the, where she lays her eggs, she covers it with all this down. It's just as soft as it can be. And those chicks lay in there, and Mama goes off and gets their food and comes back and feeds them and feeds them and feeds them, and they grow up, and all of a sudden they get to a certain size, and Mama jumps in the nest and starts pulling all that down out and just throwing it over the side. And now there's nothing but thorns. And those little eagles are like, it used to be so comfortable in here. Why was it so? Now every time I turn around and move to the right, I'm getting stuck by a thorn. And then Mom comes over the top of the nest and starts flapping her wings like this. And flaps and flaps and flaps. And next thing you know, one of those little eagles get sucked up in that wind and go right over the edge of the nest and it start falling, 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 falling. But that, that's when it figures out it's got something out here called wings. Amen? And it'll stretch those wings and it'll start to soar and it'll become an eagle instead of just being a chick in the nest because its comfort zone was broken. And I'm going to tell you, when God brings blessing into your life, sometimes the comfort zone is broken. But you have to stay vigilant in those times. You know, I've seen people, and it just really, I don't, I don't know why it's like this. And I pray over myself that I'll never be like this. That at the point of the greatest miracle of their life, they turn and run. Because right at the point of that miracle, it's not comfortable. It's hard to give. It's tough to come to church. It's a labor to pray. It's a labor to, to, to get into the Word. But you just got to be vigilant. You got to stay with it. You got to make a decision. I am not going to be denied. I'm going to receive my miracle from God. And if you will be like that, listen, and it's not that God's trying to withhold something from you. It's, listen, this world system, your own flesh, it's the devil. It's everything arrayed against you knowing this person is fixing to get exalted by God. We better do something about this now.
That's the way it works. Let me bring this to an end. Is this helping anybody tonight? Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil. Just like in James. You got an adversary named the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking him made devour. Not is, as. He's not a roaring lion. Let me say that again. Satan is not a roaring lion. He goes about as one. That means he's an imitation. I mean, if you're scared of a fake lion. Amen. Who was the, who was the, the, the cowardly lion? You know, he's, he's not a real lion. He was just in a suit for the movie, you know. So if the cowardly lion came running in here going roar, 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 everybody'd start laughing. But if a real lion came in here, amen. You know, like the what was the story? The uh, real lion got after two guys and they were running, 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 and one stopped and started taking off his shoes. And the other one said to him, "You can't outrun that lion." He said, "I'm not trying to outrun that lion. I'm trying to outrun you." <laughs> That's an oldie but a goodie, isn't it? Your adversary, Azar, walketh about seeking. Now listen, that means he's seeking. He's looking for those whom he can devour. He's looking. Say, he can't find me. Say, he can't find me. Now, here's the last scripture. Whom what? There's that word again, actively opposed. Resist steadfast in the faith. Now that's pretty plain. Now listen to the rest of this. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You know what that means? That means you're not singled out for special negative treatment. Well, I'll tell you, Pastor, since I got saved, my life's gone to hell. No, it hadn't. No, you just can't smoke dope no more. You don't drink no more. You don't do all that crazy stuff you used to do no more. So you have no natural relief. Now you need to find some spiritual relief. Say, so, well, what do I do? You worship God. You praise God. You thank Him for His goodness. You let the Holy Ghost reinvigorate you, build you up. Amen? But I'm telling you, the whole world goes through the same stuff we go through. We just have a supernatural answer for everything. Come on, church. And when you realize that and recognize that, then it's easy to be sober, easy to be vigilant, easy to resist the devil. But this is part of your process of submiss submission. If we're willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. So we need to be on the submissive side and on the faith side, not on the rebellious side and on the fear side. And if you'll recognize that and realize that, now it's not easy all the time. Because one, one of the toughest things people have to do is, is to admit they're wrong. Well, I was wrong. Oh, doesn't that feel good to say that? Amen? But you may find out by listening to the Word of God and trusting the Holy Ghost that it may not be an issue of wrong and right. It may be an issue of something that you just don't know. And once you gain the knowledge of it, then you're empowered by that knowledge and the power that the Word of God produces in your life. And next thing you know, you're walking into the liberty of what Jesus said. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know, that word know is experience. You shall experience the truth, and the truth will give you freedom. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free.
Amen. You love the Lord? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.